As part of the campaign Rangi Buji Rangi Nobu to eliminate violence against children, BBS brings you this program, a panel discussion on sexual violence in Bhutan. Stay tuned. Before we begin, can you please introduce yourself? Hello, in Kuzumpu, this is Kili Doji uh, from the National Commission for Women and Children. Kuzumpu, my name is Namgyu Doji, and I work with a civil society organization called Ability Bhutan Society, and I look after the programs and projects. Uh, my name is Dawood Raba. I work as counselor with Career Education and Counseling Division, Department of Youth and Sports, Minister of Education. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Karma Rixin, the Additional Superintendent of Police for Women and Child Protection Division under the Crime and Operations uh, at Royal Bhutan Police Headquarters. Okay, so now and then we hear about sexual violence being committed, especially against young children, which is indeed very disheartening. But before diving deep into this topic and this matter, can you define sexual violence and give us uh, data or statistics of sexual violence and its prevalence in Bhutan? Thank you very much. I think before we start with the uh, the conversation, I think it is very important for us to understand what is mean by sexual violence or sexual abuse. I think sexual violence is uh, is uh, defined as a sexual act or attempt to obtain a sexual act, unwanted sexual uh, comments or advances, or uh, something that directs against a person's sexuality using uh, coercions by <coughs> anyone. <coughs> And uh, it could be regardless of uh, of their relationship to the victims, and uh, it could actually uh, happen in any any settings, including the home, at uh, at work, in school, and other education uh, institutions. But uh, when it comes to the sexual violence, it is commonly distinguished, uh, which includes rape, unwanted touching, then uh, threatened sexual violence, then verbal sexual harassments. And then, and then also it includes uh, the children uh, showing pornographic and then uh, making pornographic uh, videos and then showing, uh, you know, pornographic images to our children. Just to uh, supplement, Kile, uh, if you look at the statistics with the RBP, uh, from 2020 to 2022 July, uh, we've had 295 <coughs> cases reported. And from 295 cases, 211 cases involved children as victims or survivors. And adults, uh, victims, survivors were 84. So what about the unreported cases? Because uh, there is definitely the social stigma. And uh, because of this, many cases are unreported. So how do you eliminate stigma and encourage people to speak and seek justice? Uh, these are the reported cases, the data that I have shared with you all. Uh, we also believe that there are many cases that are not being reported. That's why um, we take this as an opportunity to encourage people who are aware that sexual abuse in homes are happening uh, to please uh, contact the Royal Bhutan Police or NCWC and get in touch with the officials at these offices. We are here to uh, provide services. Okay, and uh, what are the various types of sexual violence that we, that we see in Bhutan? What is the most common in Bhutan? If you look at the statistics with the RBP, amongst the different uh, offenses, a rape of a child above 12 years is the highest amongst all the other abuses. And if you look at who the victims or who the perpetrators are, the perpetrators are <coughs> usually people known to the family. In addition to um, Dasho, I think uh, most common forms of sexual violence, uh, especially that was uh, reflected in the findings of the Violence against students study was the uh, mostly are the uh, unwanted touchings mm -hmm. amongst uh, the uh, children. 
So there are also some of the uh, some of the findings which states that about four percent of children who have experienced forced sex between the ages of thirteen to seventeen who have actually uh, experienced when they were younger or uh, sold. On an average, uh, you know, we we know that most of these issues, uh, especially when it comes to the sexual violence, many of the uh, cases are not reported because of the social stigma, discrimination. And then other issues involved in that. And that is why if you uh, look at uh, the figures according to the violence against children, we have about uh, at least uh, one in 10 children uh, experience sexual violence once, once in their lifetime. And that was interviewed between the ages of 13 to 17. And uh, these, uh, these children experience mostly uh, between the peers in the schools and at home. And when, when you look at the uh, statistics at home, the most of the girls were actually, uh, who have faced uh, sexual violence are of the majority. Okay, so uh, when it comes to sexual violence, it can definitely happen to any child. But we can't ignore the fact that there are children who are extra vulnerable. So uh, what can we do to, to help these children? <coughs> so what is the role of ABS? Yes, it's a proven, proven fact uh, globally that children with disabilities uh, are almost three to four times more likely to experience sexual violence and uh, also other forms of violence uh, as compared to children without disabilities. And it's a concern for us. And then uh, we need to really you know, provide our support to children with disabilities when it comes to protection. Now, uh, children with disabilities, you know, per se, it's very difficult for them to you know, uh, teach about, uh, uh, like Kilesa uh, mentioned, about uh, unwanted touch. So they are not in a position to distinguish between what's good and what's bad touch. So in that case, we face challenges. And then uh, what we do is we create awareness. Uh, and then to uh, not only to children, and, but also to, to the families and caregivers, because they play a very important role in their lives. Because uh, if you talk about disability, uh, we see disability, but uh, it differs. We have uh, different uh, levels of disabilities, as in moderate, then mild, and severe. So I think to cater to the needs of children with moderate disabilities is quite uh, not, not very challenging. But when it comes to children with severe disabilities who are totally dependent on their caregivers, they are more vulnerable to be exploited and abused because uh, they are not in a position to you know, do the activities of daily living by themselves. They need the support of caregivers. So in that way, they are totally dependent and they are more vulnerable to being exploited. ABS as an organization providing services for children with disabilities what we do is uh, we coordinate with other relevant stakeholders and also you know maybe for milder children we try to teach them about good and bad touches so that they know uh, what is inappropriate and what's appropriate and they could really say that touching inappropriately is not acceptable so these kind of measures have been taken and uh, uh, more or less awareness is mandatory and then I think uh, collaborating with other stakeholders as we are doing uh, through the uh, ending violence against children campaign uh, such as this. Okay, but uh, what about the children who do not have like strong <clears throat> caregivers? What about the unfortunate ones? Uh, well, in Bhutan we don't have these institutions where you know children can be taken out for their welfare. But uh, you know, maybe in future it might come up. But as of now, we will really try to look into the matters whether they have a you know, good caregiver, whether they're in the good hands or not. Mm -hmm. But uh, if not, we do some uh, referrals where they can be intervened uh, meaningfully. Okay, so uh, children are very fragile and impressionable. So when they are abused, there are chances of them shutting off and they will not speak up about what happened to them. 
as adults, how can we know there are there any symptoms or signs shown by a child who has gone through sexual abuse? Yes, um, when it comes to uh, identifying children who are sexually abused or not, I think the, there are physical signs, signs as well as there are psychological signs now. So physical signs is very evident, it's very obvious from their behavior, the physical marks on their body. Now certain things that I think uh, we need to take care of is uh, as soon as they're, uh, especially let's say uh, now, uh, sexual, the survivors of sexual violence, I think, they tend to uh, show this un sudden and un unexpected behavior. Uh, all of a sudden then they keep themselves isolated from their friends. Uh, they seem to take less interest in their daily activities and then uh, they lose, uh, they tend to lose interest in their friends and in uh, other normal activities. And other signs could be overly affectionate or knowledgeable in a sexual way. In some instances where uh, even the child is very uh, young, very tender, at a very tender age, I think, they show some interest in that sexual way, which is actually not at their age, not not actually, uh, what's say, appropriate or not very uh, expected of their, their age. And the third thing could be uh, medical problems like stomach pain, one walking and sitting, and these are actually uh, physical signs also. Then other thing is the chronic itching, pain, discharge, then bleeding from the genitals. So these are all uh, physical signs. Then of course that sexual transmitted disease and pregnancy. So all of a sudden, you know, children we cannot uh, expect actually children to have these STIs. So if they are not actually uh, if that's not transmitted from other elders, I think it, it's uh, it's unlikely that they will have this kind of disease. And uh, psychologically, uh, they will be withdrawn from their friends. They will be most of the time they will be seen in their own world. And other things could be also they will have so much of guilt, and because of that guilt, some may also uh, hurt themselves. But not with the intention of killing themselves, but I think there are also incidences of so many self-harm cases because of that uh, case. Other things that parents could actually look in for their children if they are sexually abused or not. All of a sudden, children come home with so many gifts, so many high-priced positions. So without any source of income on their own, parents discover that they have so many like gadgets or high, very expensive gifts at home. So these are also indications that their children or their ward is actually being abused sexually or maybe I think someone might have groomed that child so that the things do not actually disclose to their parents. Alright, so as healthy adults and as responsible adults, it's important to take notice of these mm -hmm. little signs, yeah. I see. And uh, is there any correlation between sexual violence and mental health? What are the many ways a child who has gone through sexual violence gets impacted? So I think uh, that's very... Uh, that's very direct and that's very obvious. The moment you're sexually, the forget about now sexual violence, beat any kind of violence, I think, whenever their psychological uh, well-being is actually affected, it's impacted, then the mental faculty is actually disturbed. So they will not be in the position to perform better. And even those people who are very high achiever in studies, they tend to lose interest in the studies and then in that way uh, teachers can also see, uh, observe the decline in the academic performance of the child. And mental health is the very uh, serious note of that mental health, the impact of sexual violence on mental health is they tend to stay and then uh, you know, live with that guilt. They will not be in a position to think rationally that okay, someone has actually abused me, someone has actually 
uh, what's it fools me for this, all this sexual act but they think that they take it as their own mistake and then uh, they feel guilty that okay these things happen to and then they don't see them as external factors actually happening to them but they see that okay i myself actually invited this problem so i'm at guilt i'm at fault actually so they always put their guilt on themselves so when normally when children grow up with the, that guilt then there happens that the trust issues <coughs> gradually they will develop that mistrust to their caregivers even if it's in a case of a girl then they'll totally uh, lose their faith and trust in male caregivers or maybe like father brothers like that so these are some things of course now needless to mention i think uh, when you're sexually abused by someone when you know uh, against your wish when you're sexually molested or abused then uh, obviously now you know you're you're depressed then you go into anxiety and there are also incidences of panic attack posed by all these incidences to add some uh, more with regard to your uh, question as well as what dawa uh, was actually uh, trying to point out on the correlation between the mental health and the sexual abuse i think uh, what we need to really understand here is that those children who have experienced sexual abuse tend to be uh, you know socially isolated and then they suffer from mental health problems and then also uh, uh, as a result of that the the might attempt or uh, attempt or uh, for suicide and now uh, it is also uh, likely to develop a uh, alcohol and drugs dependencies uh, because of this uh, sexual abuse for, as as a victim for those things and uh, which i feel that uh, it is going to be a big impact on the lives of our children so which way we need to really uh, focus on and then when it comes to the reporting as you mentioned i think uh, children uh, do not uh, openly uh, you know report or tell uh, tell to their parents or caregivers directly because what we need to understand here is that um, as a parent and a carers uh, we really need to understand the signs and warnings signs and then symptoms that uh, the children is undergoing and for that purpose Uh, uh it is one of the most important thing that uh, we need to come out and understand what is sexual uh, violence and then and then and then prevent uh, our children from being sexually abused we should not leave it to our children uh, to tackle these issues or uh, respond to such issues but as a responsible parents and caregivers we should uh, guide them as a, as uh, to making sure that our children are safe here Okay so um a child a survivor who grows up to be an adult can he develop any healthy habits or are there any real life incidences when a survivor uh, has suffered more growing up because of PTSD and all the depression that comes with the trauma I've met a couple of uh, young girls who had um who were sexually abused and then after that they went through a uh, mental breakdown and trauma because uh, at that point of time i think they were not referred to the right people and they have not taken taken counseling or psychosocial support i've met people who actually tried to harm themselves because uh, they started like like the earlier conversation i think a lot of these young people blame themselves for what has happened to them and i think as people and agencies working in this area and through this program we want to tell and reach out to people that it is not your fault and uh, we're here to actually help you get through this um, abuse 
and uh, we would like to encourage young people to come forward and report to the RPP and use our hotlines, uh, our uh, toll-free number, 113. Okay, and uh, what about the children with living with disabilities? Are there any real-life incidences? Uh, so far, no. We don't have uh, details such maintained with mm -hmm. us, but uh, we did come across one or two, and then what we do is at the most... We do reference to the competent authorities like NCWC, RBP, and uh, other organizations that cater to uh, violence issues. Can I just support what you said? Uh, in, in terms of statistics, uh, I just looked at uh, 2020 to 2022. Uh, so out of the 295 cases, we've had three cases where we identified these uh, young girls with uh, being children with disability. So we've had three cases. That means there are more cases there, but mm -hmm. it's just that uh, it's not being reported. Okay, so when uh, such cases are reported, what facilities do you provide for them to cope up with all the trauma and depression? Uh, from the RPP side, uh, what we do is uh, we do a lot of uh, um, referrals uh, mm -hmm. because we, uh, I'm sure everybody is aware that uh, RPP has limited capacity in this area. So we use the services of Renew, we use the services of uh, NCWC, and we also use the services of JDWNRH. We uh, contact the forensic unit who, again, will assist the child if whether this child needs more professional counseling and support. They will refer to the psychiatric uh, unit. And what about NCWCs? Uh, when it comes to the children, survivors, uh, which had to undergo the uh, treatments because of the sexual abuse, this is where uh, we collaborate with uh, the stakeholders, especially uh, Royal Batam Police, Renew, National Lamptin, Ministry of Education, and then other CSOs who provide specialized service. Now, uh, on the aspect of the uh, <clears throat> aspect of the child protection case management, we we identify a dedicated case managers, which will take uh, take the case from the <coughs> initial registration to the closure of the case. Which where we uh, in that we have a lot of uh, uh, steps that we need to follow. Initial registration, then we do the uh, you know assessment, then we uh, plan the assessment, then after that we implement the uh, you know uh, plan. Then after that we do review and follow up. Then after that, uh, at the end we uh, try to close if it is. And within that process, we are we uh, do referral as well for the um, you know, service uh, specialized <coughs> service providers such as um, JDWNRH where uh, we provide uh, you know medical checkups and then uh, for these psychiatric supports and other uh, other uh, aspects that needs to be. Uh, you know, produce uh, for the ease of the investigation, and and then when it comes to the shelters and other uh, immediate needs, that's where we uh, NCWC is currently providing, and then also we also uh, seek guidance of the Ministry of Education to ensure that the child goes back to school, if it is if not to change the school where there is no stigma and discrimination taking place for that uh, for that for that purpose as well as uh, if they are required to give psychosocial support. These are the things that we actually collaborate together and then making sure that our children is safe. And then again, even if their child has been suffering from that, we make sure that her emotional states and then physical and then, uh, spiritual movements uh, uh, are also in the state that she can move on for that. But I know that uh, when it comes to uh, the sexual uh, abuse, I think this is something that uh, uh, that remains uh, throughout her life, 
and then uh, that is where we really need to making sure that instead of responding to those issues I, we, we really need to look at from the uh, prevention motives prevention priority as one of the things to making sure that no children uh, either uh, either are disabled or unable should not be left behind or should not be a victim of the sexual abuse uh, just to complement because uh, it's coming to the data uh, of children with disabilities being exploited or abused, and then uh, Dasho mentioned earlier that they're around uh, three, three, yeah. and then the, the the number being so minimal mm -hmm. is because it doesn't really convey a message yes. that there isn't uh, mm -hmm. abuse and exploitation within the children with disabilities. Like, I think there are, mm -hmm. in fact, it will be more. But mm -hmm. the thing is that uh, you know maybe it's unreported. Number one, and then uh, secondly, that the, the perpetrators they 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 deem these children with disabilities an easy target to be exploited or abused because of the fact that they have a disability. And also, they cannot report. Mm -hmm. So I think because of that, maybe data must be less. But mm -hmm. uh, nevertheless, mm -hmm. we shouldn't be taking into consideration <coughs> children with disabilities and being mm -hmm. exploited or exploited because of lack of data. Mm -hmm. But now it's the time that we prevent uh, mm -hmm. exploitation and abuse mm -hmm. to these uh, children with disabilities, Shunil, and then together we can make a difference. So I think it's uh, time that we intervene and prevent rather than uh, you know, respond mm -hmm. after it's happened. So, uh, sir, is a counselor, no, sir? Yes. So, as a counselor, how do you deal with children who are sexually abused? Mm -hmm. So, because now sexual abuse itself is um, criminal in nature. Mm -hmm. So, initially, uh, the a child when the child is identified as a survivor or when child is identified as abused or sexually abused or molested then we directly report to NCWC because uh, NCWC is the competent authority for looking after the uh, children, uh, women and children. So uh, from there on then, uh, NCWC takes the case and then report to police, uh, RPP and all. Coming back to the psychosocial support, we always ensure that as soon as the child is identified or we come to know that, uh, that he or she is actually abused, then we always uh, increase the safety uh, net of the child. Because uh, first thing is we actually um, report to their parent, parents. Uh, so if the perpetrator happens to be there from within the family members, we ensure that the child is immediately removed from that hostile family and then that particular child is kept in a safe place. And all the psychosocial support is provided, like counseling services and as well as the psychosocial support is provided. And now school alone, a school counselor alone cannot do everything in just in a uh, go, so we have to always collaborate with Nigel Lamtin, NCWC, RBP. So in that way, uh, uh, actually things actually happens, Shunil. And uh, especially for those children who come from that very hostile family background, uh, sorry, very uh, let me not say hostile family, but I think uh, if the perpetrator happens to be their family members, then we ensure that that particular child is actually transfer to another school. So relocation is also done by us, Sashunil. Okay, so talking about the perpetrators, oftentimes in the news the perpetrators are young adults. Mm -hmm. So their crimes are in no way justifiable, but it does make me curious who is responsible for them other than themselves. How can we as members of a society educate and nurture our children so that they would grow up to be healthy adults with a clear conscience? Uh, in terms of, I think, being a parent, I think it's important uh, not only teaching uh, your daughters how to dress up or how, you know, what to do. I think it's so important for parents to also educate boys. And I think engaging men and boys is an important approach. And of course, I think uh, we need to also have this. Now, the talk on sexuality is a very 
taboo subject in our community. So I think uh, if we can have a very open and very free communication within the family members, there's no harm in buying sanitary pad by father and giving to his daughter. Mm. And then for that matter, I think complaining about stomach ache and other complaints because of the monthly period to his uh, to her father is I think it should be considered very normal mm-hmm. instead of being you know uh, sidelining these topics. So I think in that way, if we can have a very open communication. If we can give space for children to talk more at home, then the likelihood of maybe then the these kind of unforeseen uh, incidences or unforeseen things, uh, circumstances, adversities may not happen, less likely to happen in the moment. And on top of that, I think uh, we need also educate our children that, okay, it's not very advisable to trust strangers, don't receive gifts from strangers. Just like Tasho mentioned, I think, for boys, I think we can talk about the menstruation cycle mm-hmm. and why this is happening. There's nothing to actually shy away or nothing to make actually fun. Yeah, make fun and then hide these things. Mm-hmm. So when a girl is on a period, I think we need to respect, we need to help her. So this kind of, uh, you know, it's a humanity, I think, uh, humanity education. I think this approach, will all, it's, it's only going to uh, you know, help our children become resilient and then, then report such crimes. Can I just supplement? Uh, yes. In terms of, I think we were talking about perpetrators. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about perpetrators, those who are released and probably we know he has committed that offense, but because of late report or uh, something like that, uh, the case has been dropped. I think it's important for RPP also to monitor these people and have a list uh, of sexual you know, offenders we uh, we have been working on a document. Uh, it's at the very early stage to talk about, but uh, people who've been released, those offenders or perpetrators who've been released from the prisons, they will be monitored so that there's no um, re-offending. In the foreign countries, we see that they are registered as sex offenders. Yes. So in the future, is that what will happen in Bhutan as well? Yes, we're hoping that there'll be some uh, change because uh, these need to have a law in place, Mevala, like in other countries. But in Bhutan, as of now, we don't have that. So we're working on a document uh, currently. I think uh, one of the most important things that we need to understand uh, is uh, at the different stage, what are the rules that we can play, especially. And from the uh, whatever we are doing here, and making our general public to understand what is uh, sexual abuse, pros and cons, what is the effect, and then what we need to understand and then what we have to uh, do to prevent such uh, such, uh, such uh, violence violence you know so uh, on on and uh, on and all what we intend to uh, bring about here is bring about social behavior changes which is one of the most important thing that i know it's it's uh, it will take time to change the behavior of uh, uh, of the people but the research says that uh, at the end, it, it will take time, but at the end, this is where it will really make a big impact and then it can really make the change of our people, especially from the attitude, knowledge and then practice. Okay, so uh, lastly, uh, considering how sensitive this topic is, uh, what kind of challenges do you face while tackling this issue and what can we as the public help you in tackling this problem? One of the challenges... <coughs> Uh, in terms of uh, disability is the human attitude, the negative attitude towards disability. And then I think we need to change that. Uh, it's time that we move on. And then oftentimes, uh, children with disabilities are often looked at as, as a burden, as a disgrace. 
as a humiliation. Well, they've been looked at like that will, and then then this result in ignorance, and then exploitation happens. That's not the case now. Now we need to uh, think from different perspective. We need to respect their rights. We need to give them opportunities because just because they have a disability doesn't mean that they are useless and then exploited and left alone and ignored. That doesn't mean. I think it's important that we see the person and not the disability. And one of the challenges could be the negative attitude. And then again, when it comes to now, I'm talking in, uh, in, in the disability context. So I think uh, mo we have uh, service providers available, but not all the service providers are inclusive enough in the sense that uh, uh, they have services, but uh, how they can take in if the victim, I mean, let, let's say survivor, is a, is a children with disability, how they can address to his or her needs mm -hmm. as per his, his or her disability. I think. So inclusivity is a, still a challenge, but uh, nevertheless, we are all are gearing towards uh, inclusivity, including all, and then also we are um, gearing towards leaving no one behind in the sense that we need to also give uh, equal rights and equal consideration to children with disabilities and not look at them as a disgrace. I think uh, as a parent and caregivers, I think we have to listen to our children and then at, as well as monitor our children and then what they are doing and then as well as very important to guide them. Uh, uh, we should never leave our children on their own. Uh, give them quality time and then reach out to service providers to provide uh, uh, you know, support services and then, and then talk to the uh, experts who can help you and our children and then uh, not to stay silent. I think we should uh, report these cases. For me, I feel now there's always this uh, old school of thought uh, on children. Many parents feel that it's my child, it's my children and I have the full authority of whatever I do on them. So oftentimes uh, parents think that children are like their assets, they can either sell, they can do whatever. So I think giving due regard and then respect to each uh, child, irrespective of their you know, um, weakness, whether they, are, whether they have disability or whether they are able, I think we need to give them respect and then uh, consider them as a precious light, that's one important. Other thing is very uh, uh, pertinent challenge in countering <coughs> the sexual abuse or sexual violence in society is bystander uh, approach because it doesn't uh, it does not mean that uh, someone is not my child and can just be silent and, and uh, you know just ignore that. So I think uh, we are living in a community where uh, elders can actually give a good example to the children in and around us. So this is uh, you know uh, very interesting thing. It needs a village to raise a child. So if we have this kind of approach, irrespective whether it's your child or whether it's someone else's child, I think child neglect is one thing, child uh, exploitation is another thing. So uh, if these things can be actually uh, you know addressed properly, then sexual violence will not happen. Okay, so with this, I think we come to the end of today's discussion on sexual violence in Bhutan. Thank you once again for being here. And I really hope that together we do make a difference and protect our children, our future. Hashtag eliminating violence against children. Hashtag every child matters and hashtag Rangi Buji Ranginu. <laughs>